Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Glory to God. We're set for an amazing time, right? Listen, what I'm about to share with you is so important. All right, so we're in for an amazing time. In God's word, I welcome every one of you. Turn your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I have something very important to share with you, beginning from that text. The title of this sermon is The Inner Witness. And um, I say with all sense of humility, you're about to hear it in a very simple, applicable, and memorable way. And if you would participate and pay attention, um, you are going to have crossed a very huge milestone as it pertains to descending God's plan for your life and following it accordingly. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is usually the benediction in many churches. Even though um, Paul did not say we must end services that way. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Ghost. What a mentality to have. He's talking to a church congregation. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he had several times explained to them. He says, that should stay with you as a consciousness. He's rounding off his letter and he says, grace be with you. Don't forget who Christ is, what he has done for you, who you are in him. That grace be with you. Let it be a present, our reality, a consciousness that you carry everywhere you go. The love of God, talking about the same thing, the grace of Jesus is the message of the love of God. And then he talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. You see... I can spend a lot of time talking about this. This is a huge concept in church. Our fellowship is in the spirit and by the spirit. We identify with each other, with one another, by the spirit. That's what we have in common. You see, if you were out of the country in a strange land, just imagine you, you're, I mean, your mother tongue is Yoruba. And you're out of the country. Yeah, you're excited to be out of the country. But you kind of just miss home because it's a, it's a strange environment. Then all of a sudden, in a classroom, maybe you traveled for your master's. You hear someone speaking your native tongue. Yoruba language from Nigeria, Africa. All of a sudden, your curiosity you know, is aroused. Who is that? And something in you would make you want to identify with that person. All right, the same thing happens in the realm of the spirit. By the spirit, we identify one with another. The spirit is the basis for our, our identity. All right, I remember I was in um, um, NYC camp, um, what's it called now? Orientation camp, you know. And of course, everybody in that room was strangers to each other at least the first day. And I woke up very early in the morning to pray, you know. And I didn't really know where to go. So I laid on my bed, praying in the spirit. And then all of a sudden, at the upper bunk close to me, I saw someone shaking in the, in, you know, in the duvet. 
And there was another believer there who was also praying in the spirit. At that time, it was about 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, and I was just in my mind, I was like, yeah, my guy. <laughs> you know? So, you see, even if we had not met before, I knew we had something in common. And that easily became the basis for our fellowship. So I wanted to meet him. What's your name? How you doing? You know, where do you worship? And all of that, and we, be, we became friends. All right. So he's talking about a communion in the spirit, a communion by the spirit. And a lot of people dwell on that. But he's also talking about a communion with the spirit. In fact, strictly speaking, he's talking about with the spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the spirit. So what a consciousness to have. He says that communion of the spirit be with you as it is now. Let it continually be with you. It's a consciousness to have that as a local church, we have a communion with the Spirit. As a believer in Christ, I get to talk to the Holy Spirit. I get to listen to the Holy Spirit. I get to walk with the Holy Spirit. He's a part of my daily life. It's a consciousness to have. So as we talk about the leading of the Spirit, you have to understand this is your inheritance. The communion of the Holy Spirit is with me. Oh, wherever you are tuned in from all over the world, I want you to say that the communion of the Holy Spirit is with me. Oh, said the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with me. So it is, it's a consciousness to have. I have the knowledge of the Spirit. I know Him. He knows me. He knows my name. He cares about me. He talks to me every day. He's with me, willing to lead and to guide every day. I have the knowledge of the Spirit. And now Paul, by saying this, is awakening in them the consciousness, the sensitivity of that spirit. You see, you're not a man in the old covenant. You are a man in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. This is, this is your lavish inheritance. The generous gift of God. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you. So, this guides New Testament instructions. There are some instructions you will not be able to obey if you don't understand this consciousness. This message he's talking about. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let me go to verse 30 quickly because of time. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. He says, and grieve not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> grieve not the Holy Ghost of God by, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. You know, has it ever happened to you? Maybe you're working with a boss in the office. And you're trying not to offend him. You know the things that he doesn't like. You know the things that he likes. And you know the things that he's sensitive about. And you try not to offend that person. Now Paul is letting you know that although the spirit of God is invisible, you cannot see him. He's a real person. And he's present in our midst. Every time we gather and every time you're alone at home, everywhere you go because you're a believer. And he's saying... Don't grieve him. Don't, don't offend him. So think about the consciousness of the presence of God you will have to have to obey this instruction. So I, I don't want to offend God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And you will realize that in this exact context, he was talking about communication. Let, not, let no commu corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Has it ever happened to you that you were saying something Especially maybe spiritual things. Or maybe you were talking about someone that you revere spiritually. And 
you were about to veer a particular direction and you felt a restraint from the spirit. Don't talk about that. Don't say that. You know, if that has happened to you, never again say that the Lord has not spoken to you because that's the Lord and I'm going to talk about that. But now, all I want to establish up until this point is, you know, you have to realize that you have the spirit and be conscious of it. Be conscious of the fact that you have the spirit. Be conscious of the indwelling presence of the spirit of God. God's presence with us, is with us. The omnipresence of God by the spirit is with us. Oh, glory to God. You know what? This calls for rejoicing. This calls, I mean, you ought to rejoice. You ought to celebrate just because of this truth. But you see, a lot of people are not conscious of this fact because they, are, they, they judge everything by their senses, by the things they can see with their naked eyes. But you see, even in science, there are things, all right, systems that play in our in our day-to-day -day life that we cannot see. When you talk about radio, wave, radio waves, for instance, the reason why your TV can receive signals and you can watch something on it is because there is something in it that gives it the capacity to receive signals from a satellite. And there are waves flying about that you cannot see. So even scientifically, there is more to life than meets the eyes. So you have to understand that and the same thing operates by the Spirit. But a lot of people will probably only be conscious of the presence of Jesus if they saw him physically. If they saw him in the flesh. And you know, they are fantasizing about the incarnation. You know, all oh, the disciples of old, they were very lucky. Do you know what it means, you know, to have Jesus physically with you? You know, guiding you every day. Listen, they heard Jesus preach. The way you're hearing me preach now, they heard Jesus preach. Think about Sermon on the Mount. What was it like? You know, walking around with Jesus who was God manifest in the flesh. What might, have, what might that have been like? And there is a temptation to want to envy that. Think about the times Jesus asked to visit people in their houses. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Think about that. Do you know what it means? You know, you heard the doorbell ring. You open the door and it's Jesus. I mean, what are you going to do? And so people had all those experiences. Jesus went once visited Peter's house and his mother-in-law, by the way, that tells you Peter didn't have a problem having his mother-in-law in the house. Think about that. And there was no problem. <laughs> you know, but his mother-in-law was sick. And Peter didn't say, pray for her to die. She's a wicked woman. <laughs> you know, there was no such prayer. Jesus went and touched her. And immediately she was healed. And she got up and cooked for everybody. You know, so think, just think about that. You're just having Jesus seeing all his miracles and all of that. And then all of a sudden he wants to go. This Jesus that walked with them. You know, that taught them. That was a source of great comfort to them. Now he wants to go. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And then in John chapter 16 verse 7. Oh, glory to God. In John chapter 16 verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Ha! What are you talking about? 
What do you mean is it expedient? It's important that you go. You know, this seems like a breakup line. <laughs> you know all those breakup lines that um, I'm the problem. You know, <laughs> have you heard things like that? It's not you, it's just me. You know, so Jesus, what are you talking about? This expedient that you go. Don't you realize what's going to happen? How are we going to be? What's life going to be when you go? He said, it's expedient for you that I go. For if I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Oh, glory to God. Think about this. As beautiful as the incarnation was, Jesus said there is something better. Jesus proved to the disciples that God in us is better than God with us. You have to understand this. He said, I will go and then come back to you. All right. He's talking about another comforter because he was a source of great comfort to them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. So better than being around, he wants to be in you and walk in you and talk in you and influence your actions. He went and came so that he can lead from within. He can be a compass within. Redirecting your decisions from the core of your being. That was the plan. Oh, glory to God. So he was telling them that what we have <laughs> was what Jesus going. What we now have was what Jesus going. I mean, he was presenting this thing to them as something that if they understood, they would say, okay, you know what? I understand. Go. <laughs> it was a good plan. It's expedient that I go. Because if I do not go, the comforter will not come. Can I tell you something? God will rather we have what we have now than have what the disciples had. I know you would wish that Jesus, you know, was with you physically but he's telling you what you have is better so god would rather that you have what you have now than have what the disciples had do you believe that if you believe that is going to change your life i have it better than the disciples who walked with him i have it better best believe that you do all right and then he doesn't stop there he begins to give them the benefits of the Spirit. Because, of course, if you're just going to say it's expedient that you go, you better have to explain. All right? So that you don't sound ridiculous. All right? So now he wants to explain. In verse 8, John 16, just in case you don't know where, where I'm reading from. John 16, verse 8, he now says, And when he is come, talking about the Spirit. By the way, the Spirit wasn't called it. He says, when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. A lot of people use this to talk about the ministry of the Spirit. In fact, a lot of people think that the work of the Holy Spirit is to expose people when they are sinning. Yeah, have you seen people who prophesy in church? They just say, hmm, I smell iniquity. Always smelling iniquity. You know, and all of that. Because they think that that's the ministry of the Spirit. It's the ministry of suspicion. Always suspecting people. You know, and they, that, that, that's what they think the ministry of the Spirit is. To reprove the world of sin. So, when you pick up the mic and you make people sad about their sins, 
you know, you think that that's the Holy Spirit at work. But think about it. Look at this verse objectively. It says, when he is come, he will reprove. A lot of people think reprove means to rebuke. Oh, you are a sinner. You are doing the wrong thing. You know, so the Holy Spirit rebukes you. Rebukes you. He will rebuke. Let's assume it's rebuke. Let's put it and see. He will rebuke the world of sin and of righteousness. Does that make sense? Is he going to rebuke the world of righteousness? Is he... If the spirit of truth came to make us righteous, why would the righteousness of people be a problem to him? So this just tells you that there is something more this text is saying. He won't just reprove the world of sin, but also of righteousness and then of judgment. The Greek word translated reprove is elencho, all right? And elencho actually means to convince. To convince. So he's talking about convincing the world of sin. Listen, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he's convincing of sin. And he's convincing of the way of righteousness. He, listen, he's, he, he was given to us of the Father to testify of Christ. So this works as we preach the gospel, when we preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is at work. And every sinner, all right, who listens to us is convinced. And this convi convincing or conviction is not irresistible as like many people called Calvinists like to, 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 to opine. And I'm going to do a, an entire series on that, all right. But the Holy Spirit helps them. You know, to see the beauty of the message, to believe the message. He walks in them to do so. For instance, you see, the disciples throughout um, their ministry when Jesus was with them, every time they went out, they got very little results except people being healed and all of that. But true conversion where people came and wanted to follow Jesus, even though true conversion was not possible. But nobody really paid close attention to the message. But these same guys, as soon as the Holy Spirit came on that day, we call it the day of Pentecost. All right. Peter was preaching, saying pretty much the same thing that they had been saying for a while. And then the Bible says the hearts of the Jews were pricked. They, so the hearts were, and, and now there is a logical explanation to that but there is also a spiritual con confirmation to that, explanation to that. The Holy Spirit was at work. And then 3,000 people believed that day and were baptized. Think about that. As he preached, the Bible says the hearts of the people were pricked. And they said, what do we do now? Now they wanted to be saved. Hallelujah. That's the ministry of the Spirit. He convinces. All right. And of righteousness. Because these people thought that they would be righteous by their works. But the Holy Spirit convinces them of the way of righteousness and convinces them of judgment. He says, because the prince of the world is judged. All right. This is so important. So the Holy Spirit has a very crucial role in the salvation of every Christian. So you were saved, not just because the preacher preached good, but because there was an inner convincing that the Holy Spirit did. All right. 
that made the word of God to cut across with more power. All right. And you see that not only in salvation. You see that not only in salvation, but also in sanctification. All right. The work of the Spirit in sanctification. Someone is saying, what does this have to do with the leading of the Spirit? Everything. And you'll be seeing in a bit. In a bit. So in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, it says, For the works of the flesh are manifest, meaning they are evidence. This is, how, this is how to know the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, and all of that. He comes to verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, Someone says, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Sometimes you will see Christian drawings, they will draw a tree. And they will draw literal fruits. He, no, he didn't mean literal fruits. He's talking about metaphors. Don't forget the comparisons. He talked about the works of the flesh. And as a contradistinction from the works of the flesh, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? There are, there are the works of the Spirit, the evidence of the indwelling of the Spirit. This is how you know that the Spirit of God is in a person. He's going to be a person of love. He's going to walk in love. He's going to be joyful. He's going to be peaceful and all of that. And all of this by the Spirit. What does this have to do with what I'm saying? Paul said a similar thing to the, to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 8 from verse 12. Turn there with me quickly. I have a lot to cover and that's why I'm running with the speed of light. This is a Bible study. So, where we just read Galatians chapter 5, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit's influence. And now you come to Romans chapter 8 verse 12. And it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of, this, of the body, we shall live. Verse 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, pay attention to this. He, first, he says, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Oh, glory to God. He already explained what the evidence of the flesh is, the fruits of the flesh is, to the church at Galatia. So we know all those things, you know. But he, now he says, you don't have to do what the flesh says. You don't have to follow the beatings of the flesh. You can walk in the Spirit. You can manifest fruit of the Spirit evidently and perpetually because that's your new nature. And then he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit. This is what he's saying. Manifesting fruits of the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. That's why he told the church at Galatia, he says, if you live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. It's a leading. That's not all there is to the leading of the Spirit, but it's a type of leading. Whereby the influence of the Spirit, you can make choices daily that are consistent with the nature that you have in Christ. It's a leading. So he says there are, you know, the flesh was against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. Both are trying to lead you. And then he says, walk in the spirit. That's a leading. Albeit, we're talking about to make moral choices. 
all right, morally excellent choices, but it's a leading. He called it a leading. As many as are led, the context was talking about sanctification. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know what I'm doing? I'm helping you see all the times that the Spirit of God has led you, and you did not know. So this is a type of leading. So you need to know that the leading of the Spirit has been happening in your life for a long time. Every time you were tempted to take what did not belong to you, and by the Spirit, you overcame that temptation, that was the leading of God. Don't forget, the prophecy of Ezekiel in 36 verse 26, and we're going to talk about this more next week. He says, I will put my spirit in within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So the spirit causing me to walk in his statutes is a leading. So he says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, and this scripture, by the way, has been, you know, abused by many people. This text was not telling you what to do to be a son of God. Some people say, if you want to be a son of God, you have to be led. No, come on. If you want to be a son of God, you have to believe the gospel. And if you believe the gospel, you are a son of God. So, he's telling you that as a son, you are led by the Spirit. And if I was to rephrase this verse, I will rephrase it thus. As many as are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Because the people he was talking to were already sons. So he's letting them know that as sons, they can be conscious of the leading of God, especially as it pertains to sanctification. That's what he was saying. He was not telling them what to do to be sons. He was telling them what they do because they are sons. So you have to understand this. The evidence of the Spirit as it pertains to sanctification is leading. This is not the only place he talked about that. Okay, look at... Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, where we talked about the fruits of the flesh, the fruits of, fruit of the Spirit. From verse 16, Galatians 5, 16, it says, This I said, and walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the laws of the flesh. For the flesh was against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit... In this context, he's not talking about choosing the right job, marrying the right spouse. He's talking about choosing the influence of the spirit as opposed to the influence of the flesh. And he called that leading. Can I tell you something? This is an elementary teaching on the leading of the spirit. Before you come to um, complex leadings where the spirit of God tells you, to relocate to another country or specifically gives you names and numbers. You have to understand that every day when you wake up and you choose to live in a manner that is consistent with the word of God, that's a leading of God. And that's what the Bible says. The spirit was against the spirit. The flesh was against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. But as men, if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. That's not the only text that talks about leading. Because now, he not only tells you that this is the leading of the Spirit, he also says the lust of the flesh is also seeking to lead you. So there is a leading in the world. There's a leading of the unregenerated mind. 
And so he says this in Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. He says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You see that? That's a leading. According to the spirits of the power of the earth, the spirit that now walketh in children of disobedience. So there is a spirit at work in children of disobedience that make them walk in disobedience. Among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind that were by nature children of wrath, even as others. First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, then I'm going to move from this point, lest I overflog it. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto dumb idols, even as you were led. And some commentaries talk about the leading as their carnal idolatry um, priests, idol priests, leading them in idol worship. But it's deeper than that. There was a spirit, all right, a spirit of falsehood that manipulated them and then just led them in error. But now, we have the spirit of Christ. And I'm letting you know this. You see, oh, glory to God. When you got born again and the decisions you, you used to make morally, all right, they were, and that's not to say Christians don't fall into temptation. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about. If you live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, walk. So you have to agree with the Spirit of God. It's the leading of God, not the forcing of God. You have to understand that. So you have to align yourself willingly, all right? But when it all comes down to it, the fact that there was a, um, a definite change of character. Definite, albeit gradual, but definite for everyone to see. That's the work of the Spirit, and it's a leading. And when you see the work of the Spirit leading you in that aspect of your life, you then realize that the leading doesn't have to be morally alone. So your problem is not that you don't hear God. Your problem is not that you are not led by the Spirit of God. There is already a manifestation of the leading of God in your life. When you acknowledge it, then you are open to more leadings. All right? Because the same way he leads us morally, he leads us in every other aspect. So Paul said in Philippians 2.13, he says, For it is God... Who walks in you, both to will and to do. So the fact that he has taken away the stony heart out of our flesh, so the consistent propensity for sin has been taken away. Now he has given us God what desires. He walks in us to will, to desire. He also walks in us to perform. And this is not just moral, it is practical. It, it covers every aspect of our lives. And this is where many people miss it. They think that God will always lead with a voice. They think that God will always lead with a vision. They think that God will always lead with a dream. But many times God leads with a desire. So, um, he says, 
He will put his spirit in us and cause us. He will cause us. So the leading of God is provoked. Not always heard. Not always seen. But provoked. Stead. You just discover that there is a burning desire. Burning desire. A burning passion. It sometimes is like a second nature. You, you just know. You just know. This is how God leads. Not by information, but by persuasion. A lot of you think the Lord is going to appear in front of you with a whiteboard and just begin to say, okay, in the next two years, this is what you will do. In the next three years, this is what you were going, you're going to do. He's going to itemize, itemize it thus. But guess what? He's not really going to do that. I can count the number of times I've heard God audibly. In fact, be careful what you ask for. Many of you who are praying for the audible voice of God, you can't take it. I remember the first time I heard the audible voice of God. <laughs> I'm laughing already because it's very funny. So I was in the house. Um, my mom was, I, of course, this was years ago. I was still living with my parents. So my mom was at home. My sister was at home. And then we had a help um, in the house. And then of all times for God to speak to me, it was when Nepa took light. So there was no light. I was alone in the room. And then all of a sudden, I'm not talking about in my spirit. You know when someone calls your name and you turn, like you know where the voice is coming from. I heard if someone was standing in the dark. You know, later I was like, God, you safe. Like, <laughs> light day, don't call me. You know? <laughs> so, in the dark. And I heard my name. For you to know how audible it was, I called my sister's name. Because once in a while, when we're younger, you know, we used to play some games, you know, where you're trying to scare someone and all of that. So I said, oh, stop that. What are you, what was that? And I heard the name again. I called our help's name and said, stop that. Brethren, when I heard the name the third time, I ran away. <laughs> I, I'm not saying run away in my mind. I mean, physically, I just ran away. So, <laughs> but I was a new convert then. In fact, I wouldn't have known that it was God if God did not tell me that that was him. In my mind, I thought it was the devil that the Lord saved me. In fact, when I ran from the room, <laughs> I told my mom, I went to my mom, and I said, that room is a very satanic room. And she said, what was that? I said, I heard something calling my name. <laughs> you know? Ah, and my wife, ah, my, sorry, my mom said, ah, thank God, oh. you know? <laughs> so... I remember much later, I was reading all those books that paint a picture about hearing God's voice. You know, I remember where I was exactly. I was on the floor in my room. And I was like, God, I wanted to speak to me audibly, you know. And then the voice of the Lord came and said, one of the day I called you three times. <laughs> you were rebuking me, you know. <laughs> you know. So, honestly, you can, I wish there was a camera to capture my face. Because I never even thought about that day. as I, it, it didn't even occur to me that that might have been God. God, why would God do that? You don't come in the dark. What type of place is that? <laughs> so, when he said, 
one of the day I called you three times. I was like, that was you? <laughs> I didn't really know. But, but I said all of that to say this. First and foremost, none, many of you can't even really take a voice. <laughs> you can't, it's going to freak you out. All right, that's number one. Number two, that's not the primary way God leads today. You have to understand, he has given you his spirit. And so the system of co communication is upgraded. He spoke in a more spectacular way in the Old Testament because people didn't have the spirit within. You have to understand, now, because he has the spirit in us, what does he do? The spirit bears witness with our spirits. There is going to be a rub, a rub off, an information sharing where without... Why do you want to hear a voice from outside if you believe he's inside you? That's the question you need to ask yourself. If he's inside me, why am I expecting the voice from outside? You can't keep confessing and declaring that he's in you and keep expecting a voice from outside. Do you want him to step outside and talk to you? No, he's inside. <laughs> so you're going to receive a nudge, a brush, a rub. I'm going to show you examples in the word of God. So that's what you should anticipate. That's what you should expect. He walks in you to will and to do. So many times, listen, if you are full of the Spirit, your desires become trustworthy. Because, you, oh, my heart is such. Even in the Old Testament, it was a promise. He will give you the desires of your heart. So there are desires in you will be better some of you. As you're listening to me now, you realize, oh, so that was God. That was God. I did not know. I did not know. <laughs> Why is it that every time, every time, every time you see children, you know, suffering out of school, you can't take it. You, I mean, you think about it often. And maybe when you send pictures to your friends you know about children or information about children they're like you have come again because they can't understand why you're passionate about it listen when you are a man of the spirit your passions can no longer be ignored because many times god leads us with our passions i gave you an example on sunday about moses way before the burning bush experience he could not take the oppression he could not he was living fine. Don't forget, he was Pharaoh's adopted son. Pharaoh's it was none of his business. So he was not fighting the rebellion or the oppression because he was facing it. He was not facing it. He was covered, but he still couldn't take it. And when he saw, you know, an Egyptian tormenting an Israeli person, he couldn't take it. He pounced on the guy. Even though that was wrong and it was premature, God was not going to save that way. But his passion was already telling his story. Check it throughout the Bible, the same thing. Do you know that we never saw a text that told us that God spoke to Nehemiah to build a wall? Never. He just heard the same information others heard and walked on. You know, he heard it and he broke down. You know, his countenance changed. And he was a cupbearer. Even the king said, what is wrong with you? What's the matter? Passion. 
passion. I remember years ago, you know, um, as, as a Bible student, I began to discover that, you know, and I'm saying this respectfully, a lot of people were sincerely wrong in their Bible teaching. You know, and I began to desire, you know, for, more, for the word of God to be taught in accuracy and in truth. And I remember one day I was on the TV. I was watching something on the TV. And the preacher said something. God, it was wrong. I started crying. I started crying. And I began to hit things in the room. I was angry. I was hitting things. And I was crying. God, why? What's, God, what's all this? What's happening? You know. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, there are people waiting for you. He said, go. Go. He told me. He said, I've been waiting for someone to plant the churches. He asked me. <laughs> he said, well, are my children going to sit at home? They have to go somewhere. Because I was, I was more or less, you know, all those emotional moments. I was like, God, why would you stand and watch all this? You know? And I was like, are my people going to stay at home? They have to fellowship somewhere. What are you going to do? He said, plant the churches. In fact, that's why if, since that day I stopped complaining. Since that day, and listen, and that's why the Lord has given us grace to plant churches around the world. It was from encounters like that, but it came from a firm, very strong passion. I just couldn't take it. He will walk in you to will and to do. If you're a man of the Spirit, investigate your passions. Because the Lord, many times, will lead us with our passions. And I'm not saying that's the only way he leads, but it's a major way. It's called an inward witness. No, just, just a nudge. Just a nudge. Let me show you examples in the Bible. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Acts chapter 18, verse 5. Acts chapter 18, verse 5. The Bible says, and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit. Pressed in the spirit. It wasn't a voice. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't any of those things. He was pressed in the spirit. Have you just felt a press in your spirit? You, you can't understand it. You can't, you can't understand it. Has someone just come to your mind out of the blues? And, you know, that person was strong on your mind. Have you been pressed in the spirit, you know, to pray? Have you been pressed in the spirit to study? Have you been pressed in the spirit, you know, to go somewhere, to do something, to join a church? Brethren, that's the leading of the spirit. Let me tell you this. If you keep looking for a voice, you might get yourself in trouble. A lot of people have entered into error because they kept obsessing over a voice. You see, allow the Lord speak to you any way he chooses to. That's not to say that you shouldn't be open to voices. And I wish I could teach you more on this. You know, you know I don't like to share encounters like this. 
But I remember there was a day I was in a room and an angel walked in. And when he walked in, I sat up, you know, expecting to have a conversation. And guess what? We just looked at each other for a few minutes and we were talking. It, it was amazing because the words of my heart were like capital letters, you know, just typing out. The angel was looking at me and he was talking. I knew what he, the message he came to deliver. And my responses were also clear. You know, so many times, you, you have to understand we're dealing with the spirit realm. Where you see, the Bible says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts. They didn't have to talk. All right? And these things are even more, 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 um, are even clearer in the realm of the spirit. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Person to the divided of sword of body, soul, and spirit is a dissenter of thoughts. In the realm of the spirit, thoughts are dissent. So you have to understand that. You know. So Paul was pressed by the spirit. Just press. So it can be a strong impression. Some people, I don't want to start getting mechanical. You know, I don't feel anything physically. You, you, you just know. You just know. I, me- I remember one of the first times it happened to me. Something very simple. Someone came to me and asked me, as a new believer, he said, where is this text taken from? And I said, I don't know. And as I, I was about to go, I just, I just saw a number. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it just dropped in my heart. But because it had never happened before, I didn't want to embarrass myself. So I opened the Bible to check. This was a text I did not know. I was a new believer. I did not know. And when I saw it, I, sh- I shouted. I said, oh, this is it. And the person said, why did you shout? I said, because I didn't know it. And it just dropped in my heart. You know how many chapters and how many verses in the Bible? You know, you can't guess such a thing if you have never seen the text before. All right. But I would not have known. I would not have known. I, can I tell you something? I know for sure that many people hear the, the voice of God all the time or get the leading of God all the time without even knowing. Maybe when you're praying, you know, it, an image just flashes and it's a vision and you don't know. You don't, you don't know. I've told this story many times. Years ago, I was praying and I saw a friend's dad. You know, in the flash, an image, you know, just a flash. This is a man I've never, I'd never, never seen physically, and I still have never seen physically. But I just knew in the realm of the spirit that that was his dad. And he was about to enter a door, and as he was about to enter, a door was shut. So, if it was years before, I would, in fact, I would have said, oh, my mind, I've started again, I've started dreaming all these things. You know, but I knew better. When you become mature in the spirit, you don't ignore things like that. Especially when you were not thinking about the friend and your mind swayed. All of a sudden, it just came. It's spontaneous. So I called him and I said, this is what I saw. And he, he exclaimed. In fact, it was such a big deal. His mom called me, you know, to say we, we had been trusting for this promotion in the office for daddy. 
he got it five days ago, or he got it some days ago, and then days after, the promotion was reversed. It was very vivid what I saw in the realm of the spirit. You know, but, but listen, I remember exactly how I saw it, how I felt. If, if it was just a few months before, I would not have known. I would not have known. Because sometimes, you just, you just, I'm just, many times when I'm standing and I'm giving word of knowledge, I don't know what you think happens. Maybe you think an angel is whispering to me, I'm seeing an angel, or they're putting a paper in my front, you know, or, you know, how do I know? I just know. <laughs> I just know. You say, press in the spirit. And from today, when it happens, you'll be more aware of it. You'll be more aware of it. It's, it's just a press in the spirit. So the Bible says that Paul was pressed in his spirit. And he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. That's another thing. Many people are more conscious of this press in the spirit when it is something they are interested in. <laughs> some of you, you when there's a press in the spirit to ask someone for something you are more conscious of that but when there's a press in the spirit to witness Christ, to preach have you ever been pressed in the spirit to preach before, <laughs> you know you ignore that one and then you claim you don't hear God's voice, you've been pressed in the spirit to pray, have you ever woken up in the night strange and then there is a sense to pray but he just uh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, that was the leading of the Lord. So don't say God doesn't speak to you. He speaks to you. And many people in looking for the spectacular, they've missed out of the supernatural. Because it was not spectacular does not mean it was not supernatural. And start following the simple things. All right. And you're going to see it grow. Let me give you another text in Acts chapter 20 verse 22. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul says, And now I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. What a statement! Bound in the Spirit. Did the Spirit put any physical shackles on him? No. What does he mean, bound in the Spirit? You just know you, ha you have to do it. You have to. Has the Spirit of God ever nudged you to give before? Aye, that thing is strong. When the Lord... He asked me to give something. It's as if I cannot sleep until I, I give it. I cannot sleep. So I remember I was in a service and a man of God was preaching years ago. He was invited to preach somewhere. And there is a nice suit I just received. And the Lord said, give him. So immediately he was done preaching. I raced home with a bike, straight bike. Got it because I wanted to get him before he left. I because when the Lord leads me like that, I don't want to wait till the next day. When the Lord leads me, maybe to give money or to give anything, you know, you know, pressed in the spirit, bound in the spirit, or maybe he says to go somewhere. When the Lord says go to Abuja to preach the gospel, or go somewhere to preach, I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bound in the spirit. Bound. Supernatural conviction. You just know, I, I, I must do this. I must do this. I have to. 
I have to. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 27, finally. It says, the spirit of a man, Proverbs 20, 27, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Hallelujah. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. By the spirit of the Lord, all right, in our inward parts, we can receive information. There is an interface, a supernatural interface. His spirit against ours. You know, just the same way iron can sharpen iron, a man can sharpen the countenance of his friend. The countenance of the spirit can rub off on us. There can be an influence, all right, an influence. How did I know when it was time to start church? I woke up one morning and it was as it, it just dropped. It just dropped November 11th. And I checked, and indeed, November 11th was a Sunday. That was not the first Sunday of the month, but I knew we had to start that day. Bound in the Spirit. Bound in the Spirit. So, um, how do you position yourself to receive leadings like this more? Number one, you have to develop a culture of quietness. A culture of quietness. Can I tell you something? I've never said this before. Social media is one of the worst things that has have ever happened to discernment or discerning believers. Now it has affected quietness. Now, and don't allow this place a limit in your mind. Some of the most spectacular leadings I've got happened when I was watching TV. I mean, I was watching TV, and the Lord spoke to me. You know, I'll be watching TV, and I'll see a vision. I'll, I, was, I remember I was watching Step Up, you know, Step Up 2, years ago. Dance movie, just vibes, and you know. And the Lord spoke to me about healing, like, like, his, healing, like his healing power is going to flow through me around the world. And I was like, wow, amen. <laughs> I was watching Breakdance, so. You know, so don't let that disturb you at all. I remember another time I was watching um, a, a friend of mine had this strange symptom of sickness. And that same symptom was what had killed his dad. And so he was discussing with his wife, this was years ago, discussing with his wife, should I tell pastor, should I not? Okay, maybe when we see on Sunday. And I was at home watching TV. And as I was watching TV, the Lord said to me, tell your friend that what killed his dad will not be able to kill him. So I picked the phone and I called him and he shouted. He said, I was just going to tell you. It was a spiritual attack because coincidentally, it happened on the anniversary of the date his late dad died. And strangely, on that day, he started having the same symptoms. And so the Lord told me to tell him that, you know, so that happened while I was watching TV. However, there is a culture and the discipline of quietness where you see Jesus go to the mountain. And it's not about mountains. Jesus also prayed in the valley. Jesus prayed. Gethsemane was a wilderness. So it was a valley also. So Jesus played on prayed on high plains. He played on low plains also. It's not about the height, proximity for network. Do you understand what I'm saying? The principle is quietness. All right. Develop that quietness. 
the discipline of quietness. The discipline of quietness. All right? You know, something interesting happened. Um, anyway, I don't need to tell you that. So develop that discipline. SUs of those days used to have quiet time. But it looks like a lot of grace folks don't do quiet time anymore. You must have what is called quiet time. All right? Nothing sacred. This is not yoga. This is not... <laughs> but at the same time, just where you can put away distractions so that you can listen to the Spirit of God. It has to be a practice. It has to be a practice. And number two, walk in the Spirit. As simple as that is. As it pertains to moral leadings, it pertains to all kinds of leadings. You know, when it comes to um, overcoming habits and all those things, a lot of people try to exert themselves. Oh, Father, I will not lie again. Uh, Father, I will not be angry again. But he calls these things the fruits of the flesh. You are trying to attack the fruit instead of attacking the roots. That's the mistake. So when you want to um, stop the anger and stop the lying and stop all those things, it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So if I'm full of the spirit praying, you know, fellowshipping with the brethren, those things will begin to die without me even trying to kill them consciously. You see, it says you can by the spirit mortify the deeds of the body. That's how it works. And so this is the same way it works in every aspect of your life. If you want a leading on job, it is not by praying for job. If you want a leading on marriage, it's not by praying about marriage. It is about building a consistent, perpetual lifestyle of fellowship. When you do that, when it is time... To get married, you will know when and you will know who. When it is time to pick a job, you will know which. So many times we are, we, uh, and that's why I took, a t took time to teach on consecration and, and, and how it affects the leading on Sunday. Because many times it's about us. And fellowship is about being sold out to the plan of God, being sensitive and open and receptive to the plan of God, not about your ability or your willingness to enhance your own life. So there has to be that consistent daily walk, or at that consecration, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And when it is time, even in the practical aspects of your life, you're going to discern the leading of God. Hallelujah. Wherever you are right now, the Lord told me this. He said, most of the people that I pastor are at very strategic defining moments of their life where they must make life-changing choices in their career, in their relationship, and in things like that. I want you to know that this month and the teaching thereof is especially for you. You have to take it seriously. If you learn all that the Lord is using me to teach you, your life will never be the same again. It's going to be upward and forward forever. I want you to pay attention to this. And right now, 
practice quiet now, quiet now, uh, quietness. You know, listen to the Spirit of God. Worship Him and thank Him. The fellowship of the Spirit is with you. It says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Oh, wherever you are, whatever your name is, the communion of the Spirit is with you. Oh, the communion of the Spirit. Just thank Him. Thank Him for the communion of His Spirit. Thank Him that you will never be alone. He said, Lord, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age, I am with you. Thank Him. Thank Him that He's with you. Balata kabarato kriandele bahashes. Sebene mandoro telebaaya. Atarabato koboro telebeni maaya. Embelepo zuzeke magibe. Ipolo poro telebaka sataya. Ashatarabatakaya. Inamandele pokose. Imatele pokoye. He said, I will walk in you. I will walk in you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Talamaya lebeni moho sefeneto krasta gabaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We are your people. The sheep of your pasture. You lead us. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my guide. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod to lead, your staff to protect. I thank you. I am safe. I am guided in your leading. Thank you, Father. For every word that is sound of my voice, I pray that by this sermon, a new level of discernment is stirred in them, awakened in them. The spirit of seeing and knowing, precision in the spirit. I tell you, something is stirred right now. Something is dead right now. Something is dead right now. Matoromba la bakaya. Pratolomando sopoko sheteki bahaya. Brunde repeneka hartes. And everyone on the path of error, the wisdom of the Lord is bringing you back on track. You're not going to make a mistake. You're not going to invest in the wrong venture. You're not going to find yourself doing the wrong things. In the mighty name of Jesus, the wisdom of the Lord has preserved you. The wisdom of the Lord is your guide. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.